Women Taking the Lead, episode 201. Bring in support. Like you're actually helping move the economy forward by giving other people jobs and you are going to get there so much faster. So, it, you know, especially from imagery and branding perspective, like don't be an island. You you go out and find people and, and barter if you need to, because doing everything yourself will just end in burnout and tears and uh, colors that don't match. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Have you grabbed your copy of my best-selling book, Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash accomplished to access the secrets to achievement and success. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Your website tells a story about your business. At Zebra Love Web Solutions, Millie and her team are going to make sure your website tells the story you want your customers to hear. Connect with Millie at ZebraLoveWebSolutions.com to create the impression you want to make. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Dana Malstaff who is the founder of Boss Mom and author of Boss Mom, The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Business and Nurturing Your Family Like a Pro. Dana has channeled her success as a content and business strategist into a fast-growing community of businesswomen she has helped begin and run their businesses and families like a boss. Dana, you are probably the answer to many people's prayers <laughs> listening to this episode right now, but that's just a high-level 10,000-foot overview of who you are in the world. So if you could, tell us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings. Yeah. Uh, best thing to know about me, I like to dance when nobody's watching. So if that gives you a little bit of uh, being silly, I think is an important part to being a successful entrepreneur, which I'm not sure everybody believes. So that's why I love having kids, because then I get an opportunity to uh, legitimately be a kid um, and nobody questions it. And I think that actually makes me a better creative entrepreneur. Uh, and so when I was growing up, um, we called ourselves the MacGyver family. Like I, my dad owned an auto body shop. Um, my mom was a nurse at the time, but now she does uh, more illustration and, uh, writes herself and those kinds of things. And we just, we built things. It was like, why buy it? If you could build it, we had scavenger hunts and you know, my, my brother would go to this, uh, this sort of like dead zone of toys on this, you know, hill where everybody like the old toys went to die. And my brother would get them and we would like scalpel and like skin graph with my mom's pantyhose onto you know, cabbage patch dolls that had been like torn apart by dogs and things like that. So we were the, we were this family that was like, you can figure out ways to do anything. And I think we, we don't often look enough to our childhood to see how much of our childhood crafts the way our brain thinks now. And I think as a creative entrepreneur, I look back and I go, thank goodness, you know, that I can use duct tape in 60 different ways. Like that actually allows me to make better online programming. And I see that connection and I love it. So, you know, that's that's my beginnings. I come from a creative family. Uh, I always worked for um, small startup companies. So I love wearing multiple different hats. I was in a situation basically where they were moving management. And so a bunch of people were being pushed out of my last corporate job and doing air quotes. And I basically kind of knew I was going to get pushed out. Uh, and I used it as an opportunity to um, 
say, I'm going to go out on my own and actually like worked out a three month sort of, uh, you know, departure from the business. I'm still friends with the person that, that let me go basically, uh, and turned what my, uh, one of my friends calls, um, you know, uh, sort of you turn medicine into or poison into medicine sort of mm-hmm. thing of, of switching around the situation. And it, yeah. And started my own business, and from there, real immediately got pregnant, and uh, then dealt with the whole just hardship of trying to, like I used to equate my value with money. That was I was worth six figures in my, you know, where in the business I was in before. I don't make that anymore, but I'm pregnant. But what value is that, right? Okay, now I have a baby, and I'm making sure that baby lives. But what value is that? And I'm trying to figure out my business, but it's not bringing an income, so I have no value basically. Uh, and it's this, uh, it, it's just really hard, and I felt really guilty because I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom, and all of those emotions that so many of us have felt. And I started to finally figure it out. And I got a chance to um, work with somebody from a mastermind I was in to to write a book that I'd always wanted to write. I was a journalism major in, in college. And uh, and that's where Boss Mom came. And it came as me saying, you know what? I, I don't believe that that it's bad to be an entrepreneur and a parent at the same time. I think it's good. And I don't believe that we need to wait till our kids nap to teach them that uh, doing things that we love and work doesn't have to be a negative word. You know, I don't think those things need to be separated. I think when we separate them, that's when the, the guilt and the pain starts to happen. And so I wrote a book about it and it went so well that we, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you fan, fan the flame. Uh, we just like, let's do a podcast and let's, you know, start a group coaching program and let's, let's do live events. And so everything we can boss mom, we've now officially boss mom. <laughs> I love that. You know, Dana, I'm so glad we're talking today because just a few weeks ago, one of my clients and I were having that conversation. Her daughter is a year old and she was up against like having a hard time spending money because she's mm-hmm. like, I haven't earned much money in the past year because I'm only working part time. I'm not really contributing yeah. to the household anymore. And it really, we really got to the core of like value and, you know, and overall we won't get into it, but let's face it. We're in a culture that doesn't highly value moms currently or really recognizes what they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And I, I think, I feel like there's an article I've read somewhere out there that I'm not going to be able to reference <laughs> <laughs> like appropriately, but I, I, I remember it seeing somewhere that it, you know, like there's the cost of like a hundred thousand to raise a kid, you know, is about what it is. Um, and I remember reading it somewhere and being like, well, but, but isn't it, I mean, what is it, what's the value of me as a parent? Like if I, I look to put both my kids in daycare is a mortgage payment Mm -hmm. here in San Diego. I mean, it's, it's probably a mortgage payment anywhere to, you know, cause you know, cost of living of whatever it costs for you to own your house is what it costs to send your kids to, to school. And and there's and I so it was so funny because I had to in my business, my husband and I agreed I have to make enough to at least put the kids in daycare to put the kids in daycare. And I actually had um, another woman entrepreneur who does sort of financial planning. She came back and she's like, mm, 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 that is not allowed. That is not allowed. Some of what he makes goes into daycare, too. Like the you, the validity of your business should not rely on your ability to pay to put kids in daycare. That's a team effort. And it was so interesting to open my eyes and start having that discussion with my husband about, no, wait, 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 that's not fair. 
Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about this, that it shouldn't be on my shoulders that I don't get to have a business unless my business can afford this. And, uh, and it's, and it just brings up all these aspects of the dynamics of one person being an entrepreneur and another person being in a corporate setting and the value of the mom versus the dad and who takes off when the kids get sick. And all of these things are like, you think you're just starting a business, but once you become a parent, there's so many other working parts of how we figure out how to be a family. Um, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing about all the little details that happen and how much we as moms take on ourselves, um, without even thinking about it. You know, it's like, Oh, I've got to get the kids to school and I have to manage their lunches and I have to wash the dishes and I have to do all these things. But nine times out of 10, I found, I was never asking my husband to do them. Mm -hmm. I was just assuming it was my role. I had to do it because I was home. It needed to happen. And when I finally stepped up and I was like, Oh, you know, that whole house cleaning thing that I'm terrible at anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) What do we need to have? What needs to happen to either have you kick in and you'd be like, Oh, well, I actually like doing laundry. I'll do the laundry. Uh, but I don't like doing these things. Let's set some financial goals so we can bring somebody in. And I just find as moms, we're not having that conversation with the people on our team or in our family because we think we have to do it. And then we get angry that they don't contribute, but we're not asking. Right. Well, the thing is, is like, we're all a part of the same paradigm. We're all a part of the same culture, the same assumptions that you make about yourself. Your husband probably assumed too. And it's not that he's a bad guy because he was assuming, well, you would just do all these things. It's the way we've kind of been programmed coming, you know, growing up, but it takes people like your financial advisor and other people who get us to stop and be like, wait a minute, hold on. Why are you doing that? Why are you making that decision? Or why are you looking at it this way that kind of opens our eyes up to be like, oh, yeah, why? Why am I doing that? That is so crazy. But it's it's all those little things like it's the programming, like I described it. It's the programming that's running behind the monitor that you can't see until somebody says this. This is what's causing that. And you're like, oh, but it's so, yeah. Oh, Dana, we could have, we could have whole conversations <laughs> on this, I but I, I want to respect your time. So, you know, and what I got from your story, what I really love is like you essentially from the time you were a child growing up and then through your corporate jobs, you were actually in training to be an entrepreneur because you talked about having all the skills it really takes to be successful in business where you, you know, fix things that are broken, you problem solve, you turn the poison into medicine. I mean, if you can do that anywhere in your life, you can do that as an entrepreneur because that's what it's all about. And, you know, you absolutely have it going on right now. I love the conversation we had before we hit record and you really summed it up for everybody where, you know, you've now boss mommed everything. (laughs) You're like, it is all over the place. Like, so confidence wise, you're doing great. Life is good. But I always, at this point, I always like to kind of connect with the audience because on something we can all relate to. And it's those moments when we doubt ourselves or we don't realize really how capable and high valued we are. So Dana, if you could share with us a time in your life when you had one of those playing small moments, um, share with us the story and then the lessons you've learned from it. Yeah, which it's it's so funny you mentioned it because it's like, like every couple of weeks, I have a an email in my my sort of nurture sequence to people that come into my community, and it's I think I think the title is like I'm a hot mess too, 
<laughs> like you're not alone. Be like, hey, it doesn't matter where you are in your business. I'm a hot mess at least several times a month. And depending on what's happening, it could be weekly. You know, I cry in the bathroom, you know, with the lights out while nobody's watching or in the shower. So you can't tell I'm crying. That totally happens. <laughs> like, and, and I embrace it. Like I embrace those things because um, because I think it's important, like we're emotional creatures. So I say embrace your hot messiness because what it does is it creates clarity for you. It's in that space of despair. I mean, that's why all artists, you know, say that they're, they, it's like they almost like self-inflict despair on themselves because in those moments of questioning comes clarity and that happens all the time. So gosh, I mean, I, I don't even think we have time to go through all the times that I have questioned myself or screwed up or and had to figure out what on earth I'm doing. I mean, I remember I had just launched my uh, my academy and it was this big win that was like, oh, my goodness, I'd gotten 10 people into this academy. It's the first time I'd ever really gotten on the phone and sold uh, people into a high a high priced program. And I was so excited. And then I was looking at all my expenses and like most entrepreneurs do. And I was going, holy moly, I'm still spending just as much as I'm making. Like I'm really not making a ton of money, even though I'm kind of I'm making a ton, but I'm not keeping a lot of it. And so it was this space where I was like, well, what do I do? Like, I've got to, I can't sell this academy again for another six months and I can't do these things. I, I'm stuck. And so I was in that space, like so many do, where we put all of this work into a launch and we, and then we, we just say, oh, now I've got to put all that effort to maintain it, but I have to figure out some other way to bring in money because that wasn't enough. And I had, uh, I had hired a group coaching coach, like somebody who specializes in group coaching. And he said, well, reopen it up. And I said, well, I can't do that. Like I, I already sold into it. And he's like, why? It's your, it's your program. It's your business. You can, you can kind of do whatever you want, right? As long as you're delivering what the value that you promised to everybody, like why, why wouldn't you be able to do that? And it, and it was one of those moments where I had just assumed because I had set something up the way I'd set it up. And then it wasn't exactly everything I wanted to be that I had to, it had to stay stagnant, that what we build had to stay stagnant. And it was this aha moment for me where I was like, oh my gosh, I quit my job so I could be the CEO of my business. And I'm now telling myself I can't make decisions, uh, that I'm, that's not allowed, that everything is set in stone. And it was this moment where I was like, nothing set in stone. And, and I, so I started to, I reopened the academy. We sold 30 more spots. And I, uh, and I basically set this space where I told everybody this, this structure is going to change. It's going to change until it works so freaking well that, that everybody, you know, that walks through the door is, is successful as soon as humanly possible. And until that happens, I'm reserving the right for us to morph and to move because that's what life does. That's what business does. And everybody came back and they were like, I am so glad that you're doing that because that means you're going to listen to us. We're going to change things as they go. You're going to ask us questions. We're going to be a part of this. And I'm still willing to pay you because I know you're giving all this value, but you're also going to move and flow as we need it. And so this spot where I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to keep it this way. And holy moly, how am I going to make more money to make this all work? You know, that, that moment of going, oh yeah, I, I own my own business. I get to make whatever choices I want. And, and other people actually really supported that. That was a, that was a big moment for me that I think shifted the way my brain works to recognize how much I could grow this in a really thoughtful, purposeful way. 
I love that. And you know what kept coming to my mind was the movie The Matrix, where when you're in The Matrix, the rules apply only if you believe them, right? Mm -hmm. The moment you stop believing the rules, then your mind expands and you're capable of doing greater things. And I think the reason why that movie was so successful is there's a part of our subconscious that goes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. The rules yeah, only it. apply if we believe them. And you you found yourself in a moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I make the rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, which, by the way, if they ever invent a way for you to just download, like, noting, knowing Taekwondo or, like, <laughs> being yeah. amazing at math or how to build sales funnels, uh, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Sign me up. <laughs> now, Dan, if you could share with us at another time in your life, this one is a wake-up call. I mean, you had a wake-up call in your playing small moment. They're like, oh, like, whoa, these are my rules and I get to change them. But I'd love to hear another story. And for a lot of people, like, the wake-up call is, like, instantaneous, like, oh, my gosh. But for others, it's like the universe has to keep sending us messages until they get stronger and stronger. And then we're, we're ready to make a move. But in either case, there's always a moment of action. So if you could share with us what led up to that message moment and then the steps you took that led to your success. Yeah. So there's actually a really, a really big one that I think is something that I, I talk about. I've talked about it on uh, like Pat Flynn's, he did a roundup that was like the one thing lesson you'd want to teach people. And uh, what I did when I got out uh, to start my own business is something other people did uh, and still do today. They go, what am I passionate about? And so I thought, wow, I'm really passionate about mindful communication and how people connect. Uh, you know, in corporate America, I was a uh, director of, from a, a wellness perspective. We built behavior modification programming for large companies and municipalities. And so that's what I thought. I was like, I'm passionate about communication. Like, I know how important good communication is. That's what I'm going to do. And so what I did is I tried to build this business that was working, but to be honest, was way more work and just hard. It did not come easy. Uh, and, and we moved out to, we were in Columbus, Ohio, and we moved out to San Diego because that's where I'm, a, I'm originally from Southern California to be close to family once we had my son. And I went to this uh, conference with one of my good friends, um, Kelsey Murphy. She runs the whiskey and work movement. And, um, it was not a good conference, actually. And the, and I say that importantly, because I think people think you have to go to something where the whole thing from start to finish is life changing to be life changing. Uh, and it doesn't. It takes one moment, one statement, one thing. And uh, and this one man got up on stage. And honestly, I, I think it was such a blurry, like, oh, my goodness, realization for me. I don't even remember his name or <laughs> I know I remember he was he was in the military and he was talking about being an entrepreneur after getting out of the military. And he just made this comment. He's like, as entrepreneurs, we're good at a lot of things, you know, maybe not great, but we're good at a lot of things. And what we need to find is the one thing that we are amazing at, the gift that we have where it comes easy to us, that thing where people look at you and say, holy moly, how did you get that done in a quarter time? Or how does your brain think that way? Or how did you come up with that? I could never do that. And that's what we need to start our businesses on. That's what we need to center our businesses around because that's where success happens. It happens quicker. It happens in less time. You know, it's more valuable. It's easier to sell. And I just had this aha moment where I was like, oh, man, I am totally pursuing my passion and I am not at all pursuing my gift. 
And so we actually left the conference early and we spent a whole day and I wasn't really sure like what that gift was. And so we focused on my friend Kelsey and working on her business and figuring that out for her. And in the midst of it, as I was sort of working through all these different brainstorming ideas of ways she could put things together and she just, she stopped for a moment. She's like, Dana, oh my gosh, that's, that's your gift, like strategy and brainstorming and ideas and pulling them together and just visually seeing how things could work. She's like, and the process, you know, she's like, that's your gift. Like you need to be doing that. And, and so I, I went into, uh, the savvy business owners Facebook group, which is where I'd been hanging out lately with uh, Heather Crabtree. And I basically said, awesome. Hey ladies, I just figured out what my gift was. Uh, I'm going to take three people and I'm going to help you do content strategy. Um, who's in? And within uh, like 30 minutes, I had 10 women that were like, I want it, I want it. And that's, and I just started. So the action for me was just going in and, and giving away a little bit of my time to just test it out. Just go into a Facebook group and say, uh, I'm looking for this particular thing, this kind of person to do this thing. This is what you're going to get. If you're interested, let me know. And you'll get, you'll see the interest and you'll go in and talk to some of those people. And two of the, out of the three people that I worked with ended up being paying clients after the fact. So it's a good way to get testimony and and move yourself forward. And I, I honestly have never looked back. Like the, what I recognized is I pursued my passion and not my gift. But when I recognize my gift and pursued that, I can infuse my passion into my gift because mindful communication is infused in the way I run my business. It's infused in the topics I talk about on my podcast and in these podcasts. It's the way I live with my husband and with my friends and with my community. So my passion has been part of my gift and my business, but my gift is what makes me money. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier now that I recognize that. And that one bad conference was the aha moment that I think helped turn me into a six figure business within like six months. Yeah, I definitely can see that because people can get swept up by what we're passionate about. If you're right, if you're really enthusiastic, I have a friend who gets really enthusiastic about golf. I have no interest in golf, but I love watching him talk about golf because he's so into it that his passion kind of sweeps me away. But when you display, I call them your superpowers. Like when you mm -hmm. showcase your superpowers, that's what blows people's minds. Like you were saying, like people being like, how do you do that? And what made you think of that? And I wish I could do that. It, it's all the things that, you know, other people aren't as good at. And they're more than happy to pay you to help them because they lack that skill. Um, so, yeah, that you want to double down on those for sure. Yeah. And, and one, one last thing is you, if you pursue your passion, but you're not really that great at it, like it doesn't harness your gifts. Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to burn you out of that passion. Like yeah. for instance, I love playing piano. I'm not so great at it. I didn't start learning until I was like 10. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm not bad. I can play some tunes, but I'm not a great pianist. If I had, if I had taken that passion and pursued being a pianist, for all of my life, I would be broke and nobody would, would hire me. And that's not because I'm not passionate enough, but because passion and gifts have to go together in order for you to make money. Yeah. And so that idea that I would have gotten burnt out, like I love to cook, but I would never become a chef because I love to cook for me. And I love, I love how that makes me feel, but it's not part of my gift. And so if I went and pursued that, I would get burnt out and then I would hate cooking. And so we also have to be careful that what we pursue harnesses our gifts so that we don't get burnt out on the things that we love and care about, but that it gives us the resources and the space to be able to do the things that we're passionate about, like contributing to purpose-driven businesses and organizations and giving us the time and the resources to go travel the way we want or cook more or take piano lessons or whatever those are. 
like harnessing our gifts gives us that space. But if we only focus on our passions, we're going to get burnt out real quick and end up not having any finances to show for it. Mm -hmm. I love how you said that, like your passions and your gift have to be combined in order to make money. Boom. Mm-hmm. Right there. And that's what it comes down to. If you're not making money in your business, it's a hobby. So, right. you know, you got we got to get serious about it. Like if you love what you do and you pour your heart into it, but you can't bring yourself to ask anybody to pay you, then you don't run a business. And that's a hard truth that we all have to face. Like if you want to be a business owner, you're going to have to muster up the courage to ask people to pay you for your value. And if you have a hard time doing that, then get on the phone with somebody who is a money mindset coach like Tanya Rainier, um, you know, uh, or something like that, because you got to get past it. Like people have to stop thinking of money as this all all encompassing thing. It's not. It's a way to barter. You're giving them some value and they're giving you value back, which happens to be money. Um, and in some ways in business, maybe that's a service. Maybe you're exchanging services and that's the exact same thing. And once you stop giving money that power, you're going to make a whole lot more of it. Amen. <laughs> and Dana, what I always want everyone to get is there is no one way to lead. I think sometimes as women, men can fall into this too, but I see it a lot with women where we can get tripped up because we look at somebody that who is successful and that we admire and we try to model how ourselves after that person. We look at how they lead and we try to do the exact same thing. And that doesn't always work because our personalities are different. Our, like we were just talking about our, our, um, our superpowers, those unique skills that we have might be different. Our experience is different from other people. So while there's fundamentals to leadership, the nuances are, are distinct and, you know, pretty much are personal. Um, to each individual. So Dana, how would you describe your leadership style? Yeah. So I lead by letting other people lead. I don't know if that may sound odd, but I no, you know that's I, great. I, I've just started to realize this, but since I come from a, a space of corporate wellness where we, you know, part of my job was to go into big companies and assess the culture of their business and say, how can you get your employees to care more? How can we you know, uh, increased productivity and lower absenteeism? Like, how can we get people to show up and actually work for you 110% and love you and, uh, you know, all and stay with you, you know, and all those things. And, uh, and I realized that that's was such a valuable space for me to be in, because now I recognize that the best way for me to, to grow my business and to lead in my community is by helping other people recognize their gifts and raise them up within the organization. So I'm constantly going to my team and saying, awesome, what do you love about what you do? And what do you not love? Do we need to bring somebody else on to do that other thing? Because there's somebody out there that loves to do that. We have, I just hired somebody who does uh, like when people violate the, our trademark for boss mom, because a lot of people just don't realize that I actually own the registered trademark for it. Um, we have to go out and tell them you can't use it. You know, I've got to protect my trademark. I hate doing it. Everybody on my team hates doing it. It happens there's somebody out there who loves to do that. And I hired her. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome because I don't want to have somebody on my team doing it and dreading that part of their job. So part of me leading is asking my my team, what do you want to do? What are you good at? I, I also ask my team. I don't nobody is my full time employee as of right now. 
So they all have their own businesses. And so I asked them, I, uh, you know, at the end of, of 2016, I would like to see your uh, price increase um, for 2017. I want to know what that looks like so I can make sure I'm budgeting for that accordingly and we can have those discussions. And I had several people on my team go, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And I said, well, you need to start thinking of that because um, I'm not going to just give you a raise. <laughs> like You got to learn to ask for this stuff. And so part of leading is forcing other people to to really think about where their value is and then and own that value and I can't I can't give it to them and we we had talked before we got on about you know delegating and sometimes it's hard to delegate but when you when you allow people to show you how awesome they are you'd be amazed at the ideas they come up with that you didn't even think of like we think of I'm going to bring on this VA and I have to record how to do this process and that kind of thing but but it's so much more than that. You know, do, you, the next time you have to you want somebody to manage your podcast process, just turn on your recorder. You know, I use Camtasia. Turn it on. Record live whatever it is that you're doing. Like this is how I put my stuff in Libsyn and this is how I do my show notes. Take that. Hand it to the person that you want to hire and have them turn it into an actual process document so they can own some of that and then ask them, is there any way I can improve on this? Is there any way that it could be better? And you're testing out their skill by allowing them to own more. And the more that you allow people to own of what they do and how they contribute and how they grow, the more they will show you how amazing they are. And my team is awesome. And they do things that I can't do. And they do things that raise my business up and promote my business in ways that I wouldn't even think of. And I think that's because I, I allow them to, to lead in their own way. And we do that in the community too. We have ambassadors. There's so many other roles in the community of people that we, uh, we ask for people to, to, to lead. You know, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be the all encompassing power of the boss mom brand at all. I'm just one part of it. Um, that goes out and and does my part within the role. So I would be one of those people if I ever have a brick and mortar business where I would have no office and I would be in the center with all my people because if I can't hear what people need and what's working and what's not working, I can't fix it and you can't listen from behind a closed door. And so that that is how I lead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amazing. And we, you know, I, I dive a little deeper into it because the next question I wanted to ask you was, what is one thing you're working on right now in your business that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Because I think, I think now we're going to, we're going to get a full picture of what's going on in your world. Yeah. So, uh, so the fact that I, when we're recording this, I, I'm having the, my boss mom retreat, which is my first hundred person live event. Um, so, so I'm deep in that. Um, and I'm so excited because there's so much buzz about everybody coming together. And that's been a, it's like planning a wedding for your business. It's been amazing. But what I'm actually want to, wanted to mention that I, I'm just as excited about, but I think is more relevant to everybody that's listening is I just, we're in the pre, we just pre-launched the, I have a, a new course called the raising your business program. And what's awesome about it is, you know, content creation is one of my specialties. I, that's part of what I did and part of what my background is. Uh, and, and so I've, I have over 6,000 students over, you know, a myriad of courses on different platforms. And I launched the Boss Mom Academy, which is my group coaching program last uh, February of last year. And I took the whole year, basically, to go through that program and all the content and things we created and all the discussions we had and listening to everybody and what their needs were. I took that whole time before I came up with the thing that was going to be the program that I'm going to evergreen and hopefully will be my million dollar, you know, course over the next year or two. 
And, and the, the important part of why I'm so excited about that is it's to me, I could have just taken, oh, you know what we need to know about, you know, your purpose and your why, and you need to know about funnels and you need to know about podcasting and, you know, all of these different things. Uh, but what I realized over the last year was that wasn't, that's not where the value lies. Those are just the things. And my dad always said information isn't knowledge. The problem that I think most entrepreneurs have is translating the ridiculous amount of information information and free information that people throw at us and understanding what to do with it. And the big thing for me is in what order, because I see people go out and they buy a thousand dollar program on how to run a webinar and they have nothing to sell. Well, it's really hard to have a six figure or a five figure webinar without anything to sell. That's why Amy Porterfield then came out with a course on how to create courses because she, she was like, oh, wait, I probably need to give them some like teach them how to actually make a thing that they can sell on the webinar in order for webinars to be successful. So I find order is the big thing. So the Raising Your Business program, what I love about it is I, I spent the time to figure out how it was really going to work because I knew I wanted to be able to put money and resources into making it great. And, and I took that time and then realized, awesome, this 10 point, I, the, the webinar that we have that's selling, going to sell into it that we've done on our pre-launches, your 10 point path to raising a successful business. So I've got my terms and the things that are really like clear to me in our brand, but it's also about in the webinar, it doesn't just say the things you need to do. It talks about why it has to be in this order and what happens if you skip it or that you, you try and do it too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and the women that are coming in, we had a really successful pre-launch and the women that are coming in are going, Oh my goodness, I was doing number six and I've never done number three. Like I'm now seeing why number six, I poured all this money and resources into it. And it didn't work. It's because I hadn't done these steps beforehand to really make sure things are working in, in my business. And you hear a lot of people go, well, you need a brand and you need these things, but nobody, I feel like nobody out there was really like putting these things together in a course. We do them in our group coaching programs because you just naturally bring people through that process. But so I'm super excited because we're going to launch it officially in February and then I'm going to work to make it automated and grow that. And, you know, all the all the hashtag, all the things, mm-hmm. which is I didn't realize is a hashtag, but it's a hashtag. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I'm super pumped about that because I spent the time to really recognize what's the thing going to be. And now I feel so incredibly confident about pouring the money I need to, to, to now take the videos I did and I'm going to now do them professionally because if this is going to be my thing and I'm confident that it is, then I I'm willing to put the money in to make it amazing. Uh, and, and before, if I would have tried to do something before I would have poured that money in and inevitably had to redo it. And that's why for me, course creation and that kind of thing is like step number eight or nine. Um, and and I, and there are tons of other ways you can bring in income before that. Uh, but it's, you know, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be, you know, my program. Yeah. And I really appreciate you really capturing, like it takes iteration. So for people like this can be the downfall for business owners too, where they look at somebody who's five to 10 years ahead of themselves and ask the question, why am I not there already? Well, that person has been iterating and evolving and getting feedback, working with clients, you know, redoing, you know, kind of like rinse, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat for a long time. So, you know, when you're starting a business and you know, you're starting to do some of the, these things, you got to give yourself some time and be okay that it will take some time. And Dana, now I'm going to, I'm going to propel us right into the quick leadership roundup. So if you could, um, in one sentence, uh, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? I assess every single day. Like I assess my priorities every single day. I don't just look at the tasks that I need to do. 
I look at what am I trying to achieve? I have a business plan vision board and I assess every single day because my, it's really easy to fall off the priority path and, and chase that shiny object. Um, and it, and so reassessing every single day helps give me the focus I need to be really confident about the things I say no to and the things I say yes to. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, you were totally not an island and I don't care if you can make images in Canva, hire somebody to do it. Uh, I, it's like, I knew Photoshop and all these things. And I was like, well, I'll just do them all myself. Cause I can. And now that I've like bring in support, like you're actually helping move the economy forward by giving other people jobs and you are going to get there so much faster. So it, you know, especially from imagery and branding perspective, like don't be an island. You, you go out and find people and, and barter if you need to, because doing everything yourself will just end in burnout and tears and, uh, colors that don't match. Share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Yeah. So I love this one because I really actually thought uh, a lot about this one. And I think that one that means the most for me is it says uh, a man should um, his reach should exceed his grasp or what's a heaven for. It's by Robert Browning. And uh, only I like to take the man part out because <laughs> it applies to us women, too. Um, but I love it because it is the ultimate entrepreneurial quote. Uh, whether you believe in heaven or not, whatever you say is out there, we should always reach past what we think we can handle, what we think we can grab. We should always, we should always look past where, what we think we can do and recognize that until we reach, we don't recognize how much we can, we can do. If we always stay in that comfortable place where it seems like it's doable, then you're never going to achieve what, what you can potentially achieve. It's, it's just like working out, like until you push yourself so hard that you can't be pushed any farther. You, you only then do you know what your true limits are. And, and when we live in the space that we can always reach for, um, then, then you're playing small. And lastly, Dana, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Yeah, so uh, boss-mom.com is our space. Um, you can get everything from there. Um, our Facebook group is, oh my gosh, we got almost a thousand people last week into our Facebook group. It's like kind of crazy, the growth there. Um, but it's, you can get to it all from our website. Um, so that makes it super easy. And if for all of your people out there that, uh, are, are the women that time management and project management and figuring out like your million items on your checklist, I have a free Trello training um, we've had thousands of people go through that is super, super helpful, takes you behind the scenes of how I run my business through Trello, which is a free online tool. Um, and that's just boss-mom.com forward slash Trello. I love that. And for those of you who are on the run, don't sweat it. You can find all the links and resources Dana shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. Dana, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Oh, thank you. And I, I love that this is part of my job to hang out with cool people like you. All right, ladies, I'm going to talk straight because I know you ambitious, high achieving entrepreneurial women appreciate that. I know some of you are struggling and you find yourself saying, I know what to do to achieve my goal. I'm just not doing it. And you're struggling with having the time, energy, or willpower to move forward in your business or career. You may even be thinking you've developed adult ADD. 
I can help you with that. And you'll soon be surprised by how much you are able to get accomplished. No more going it alone, suffering silently while another year goes by. Send me an email at Jodi, J-O-D-I, at womentakingthelead.com, and let's get the conversation started. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.